brought to you by SOCOM Athlete, Cindy. Get lower! Uh, I can't see! Uh, We're trying to push them to the breaking point. This is your life now. You're hardcore! Let's go! They are the eyes and ears of the Marine Corps. The first men on the ground behind enemy lines. To earn the name Recon Marine, they must first survive the legendary 12-week basic reconnaissance course. If I quit, I'm dead. It's a man-breaking, all-out trial by fire. This is what Recon's all about. You are listening to the podcast, Send Me. Here with you now is host, Jason Sweet. What's the count, team leader? What's the count? Down! Keep going! Hold it. Try it! Keep going! Brought to you by SOCOM Athlete. Send Me. Send me. You're listening to SOCOM Athletes Podcast. Send me. This is your host, Jason. Today, we have the honor of bringing to you Master Gunnery Sergeant Corey Paskvan, Reconnaissance Training Company, Camp Pendleton, California. Master Guns, the highest enlisted rank in the Marine Corps, is a force reconnaissance Marine that is in charge of the entire reconnaissance training company, which includes the basic reconnaissance course, which all reconnaissance Marine candidates and Navy SART candidates must go through as a selection process in order to proceed into their pipeline. Master Guns is also one of the most fit Marines in the entire Corps. He has not won the Recon Challenge once, but he has won the Recon Challenge twice in a row as a senior enlisted. A true example of leading from the front after 27 years and actively serving in the United States Marine Corps at the highest level. We've also had the honor of having Master Guns come out to instruct and mentor at several of our Hell Day events in San Clemente over the last few years. He's also allowed us to go on to Camp Pendleton to use the basic reconnaissance course facilities, world-class pool, world-class training facilities. Can't thank you enough for an incredible opportunity for myself, the SOCOM athlete community, and all of these students. Master Guns, thanks for taking some time out of your day from training these future recon Marines all week to sit down and do an interview with us. How's your day going, boss? Good, good. Real good. Always action-packed, you know? So the first time that I met Master Guns was in 2019. Got an invite to head over to the reconnaissance training company over at Camp Pendleton by Dave Reinhardt, as well as Bobby Rustano. Bobby and Dave brought me to the schoolhouse. They're like, hey, dude, do you want to go train with the students? And I'm like, yeah, man. Like, what what are we going to do? He's like, yeah. So they're on their final week of these pool evolutions, the deep end cars. And then they got to do a three-mile ruck evaluation and obstacle course and the boneyard and, and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, dude. Let, let's rock and roll. He's like, yeah, man, um, we're going to go talk to the leadership real quick and see if it's cool. So for our listeners out there, they go up and, and they go talk to, to Master Guns, who's on with us right now. And, uh, and the commander, they're like, yeah, man, he, he can do it. We just need him to sign this waiver. So I signed my life away and uh, they put me in some Marine Corps camis and they tossed me in the pool. And there I was in the uh, base reconnaissance course pool with the students. Uh, what an incredible opportunity. Loved every bit of it. And it was an absolute honor. And that's where I got to meet today's podcast guest. Master Gunnery Sergeant Corey Pascavan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Uh, no problem. So how long have you been in the Marine Corps? 27 years. 27 years. And Master Gunnery Sergeant, that's, that's top of the top for the enlisted, correct? It is. 
And how does one make it to that rank? In order to make master gunnery sergeant, you have to choose when you're an E7, when you're a gunnery sergeant, you have to choose whether you're going to go M, which is master sergeant, or F, which is first sergeant. So if you want to stay within your job field and continue doing the same line of work, you choose M, and then you become a master sergeant as an E8, and as an E9, you'll become a master gunnery sergeant, but you'll stay within that job field and you'll you know, stay within your career field. If you choose F when you're at E7 and you get selected to F, which is first sergeant, then you'll go first sergeant. And then your natural maturation from that rank is E9, which is sergeant major. If you go first sergeant or sergeant major, you become more of a command type, legal type command team guy. And you can travel to any unit in the Marine Corps and be a first sergeant or a sergeant major, not necessarily your OC field or your career field that you began in. In Master Guns, with your position, not only are you an operator, but you're also a leader. Any leadership tips for our listeners out there? Yeah, I mean, the biggest one for me is just respect and treating others the way you want to be treated. And then leadership by example. Um, with, you know, MOS proficiency and leading by example, I think, uh, you can never go wrong and then just treat another the way you want to be treated with dignity and respect. If you can do those things, then all the other stuff is pretty simple and pretty easy. After that, people tend to, uh, want to listen to what you're saying and want to listen to what, you know, the things you want to do and the direction you want to take things. Well, in the three years that I've known you, you certainly have treated people the way that you want to be treated, and you certainly have led by example. Speaking of leading by example, for our listeners out there, the United States Marine Corps and the reconnaissance community in particular puts on what's called the Recon Challenge. And I'll let Master Guns talk a little bit more about what that Recon Challenge is, but this is one of the most physically grueling events in in the world, in any military that is done. And Master Guns not only won the Recon Challenge last year, but he won it this year. That's two years in a row. After 27 years in the Marine Corps, he's still crushing competition. Master Guns, can you tell us a little bit more about what the Recon Challenge is? So the Recon Challenge is an annual memorial event that we do each year in the Recon community. So Recon Training Company hosts it Um We broadcast it out to all the recon units, active duty and reserve, as well as all of our schools. And it's a memorial event to memorialize our fallen and personnel that we've lost through, whether it's been combat operations or training, as well as other accidents. Um, It's a single one-day event, which goes about 25 to 30 miles um, and encompasses typically anywhere from about 8 to 10 different events within those 25 to 30 miles. Uh, It's a two-man team. Each man carries a 50-pound rucksack, his individual fighting load with weapon, and you move across terrain of Camp Pendleton, which is, we'll say, uh, you know, semi-hilly. Pretty pretty tough terrain there, semi-hilly to to put it lightly, treacherous terrain. And and I know that we don't have time for you to get into all eight events tonight, Master Guns, but would you mind telling us maybe a few of those events that, that encompass the event? Yeah, so the, the event typically starts off with a, with a swim, you know, a fin swim with all your combat equipment where you're moving in the water, sim- 
inflating that amphibious insert from a, you know into a reconnaissance mission and coming ashore. And then it's a movement across land, usually some obstacle courses, some fireman's carries, casback drills. Um, there's always a live fire range in there where you have to shoot a pistol and a rifle of some sort, some cases a machine gun. Um, every year they change the events up, the order, and change the route up. So no one can game the game and no one knows what the exact route or what the events are going to be for that year. So every year it's a little different and we have staff members here at RTC kind of come up with those events and then come up with that route. So for the most part, the general area is all the same, but the order and the direction in which you go to complete all those events and conduct the hike is always slightly varied so that, like I said, nobody can game the game completely. I mean, all competitors get briefed on it, but you can't specifically train for that one course every year. And Master Guns, you're clearly a gifted athlete. Uh, not saying that you don't put in a ton of work, but you're, you're clearly a gifted athlete. You're 6'3", you're 6'4", you're, you're lean. Uh, but to me, in the three years I've known you, it doesn't look like that you go in and, and bang a bunch of weights around and, and do heavy bench press and heavy squats and, and grunt around in the gym and stuff like that. seems like you're more of a functional fitness guy. Is that correct or am I off on that? No, you're, you're correct. Um, everything I do is mostly body weight and uh, you know, isometric type stuff, as well as like functional fitness type things. Um, I don't really lift heavy. And the reason why is because to do the things we do in reconnaissance, it's not necessary uh, to lift heavy weight. I mean, at one point in time, I don't want to say I lifted heavy weight, but I lifted some weight that was considered somewhat heavy. But um, I learned over time that, you know, the more you do that, the less you take away from your functionality when it comes to the things that we need to do to be flexible, to have stamina and endurance over the course of, you know, the long run. I've learned that, uh, you know, it's a lot better to just do things that are going to be more functional and help out in this line of work. Well, you've been in the Marine Corps 27 years. And when we look at longevity and retention, not lifting heavy weights and being in the type of shape that you're in also allows for that injury prevention so that you can do the job for a long time. Master Guns, what is your, your training background? Were you an athlete in high school? I mean, how did you get in the shape that you're at now? Yeah. So in high school, I, I started off wrestling and then uh, moved to swimming and track and field. I also played soccer. And most of the time I, you know, in my free time, I did a lot of snow skiing and just hiking and then general swimming in the summer. Um, always pretty much staying active when I was a kid and was very fortunate to uh, start with that good baseline. And in track, I mainly did middle distance. So 400, 800 and the mile. Um, never really peaked real well in high school because I was always uh, kind of undersized or smaller back in those days. But uh, once I grew up a little bit, which was pretty much when I came in the Marine Corps, I started learning how to, uh, you know, utilize stride and utilize uh, some things that I learned from some other people in the Marine Corps on how to maximize training techniques and things like that. And Master Guns, when it comes to the recon challenge, this is the ultimate test of functional fitness as a warrior. It's testing you in, in all different types of events that you could potentially see in a mission set and whatnot. So how do you prepare for this type of thing? What What is your typical week of training look like? So typically I'll do like a, a longer 
you know, moderately paced, just slick run. Um, nothing crazy, you know, probably like, uh, five and a half to six miles trying to push about a seven minute, maybe a little quicker, like six forty, six forty five to seven minute pace. No, um, nothing crazy there. Master guns, huh? <laughs> no, no, nothing too bad. Um, you know, and, and it kind of depends on, you know, earlier in the season, I'll start off with like a seven to a seven thirty, but I'll typically start with that. And then I'll do a lot of just normal swimming in the pool, breaststroke, side stroke and freestyle, probably knock out, you know, anywhere from about on any given day, uh, usually at least twice a week I get about 1500 in. Um, and then I'll also do like about a four or five mile hike and the four or five mile hike, I'll vary my load from, you know, the backpack that I carry will be roughly about 35 to all the way up to 45 or 50 pounds. Um, typically leading up to the event, I'll start off lighter and I'll work on my stride and I'll work on, you know, hill climbing. And then as I get closer and closer to the event, I'll be, I'll up the weight closer to what the event weight is. And I'll continue to work those same paces that I worked on with lighter weight and try and hold that same pace once I increase the weight, which typically works out pretty well for myself. Um, I'm a pretty good hill climber. So it uh, typically translates, translates pretty well. And I don't really see too many ill effects of adding 10 or 15 more pounds on once I've done it with 35 pounds and maintain that pace. And then outside of that, it's, uh, you know, normal day-to-day stuff that I do at home, uh, unload the hay truck for my wife and put a lot of uh, hay in the barn and uh, move a lot of heavy things around our uh, mini farm we have here, which provides the rest of uh, my functional fitness. You, you know, that that's a good Californian there, Master Guns. You, you've got the, the mini farm out there. You got some chickens? We don't have any chickens now, but we have uh, several horses and uh, some cats. Now, Master Guns, when it, when it comes to the rucking, in our programs in particular, we don't have the students doing a lot of weight on their rucks. We have them working, like you said, on their stride or doing a little bit lighter weight on the rucking and focusing on mobility or doing some incline work and trying to um, work on extra pace counts and, and things like that. Um, can you get a little bit more into the weeds on why you don't want to necessarily just throw 75 pounds on your back and, and just go and, and why that doesn't work and, and make your body better at rucking? Oh, definitely. So if you just throw a lot of weight on and think you're going to go out and build that strength and stamina to be able to carry that weight over, over distance, you will to a certain extent, but you'll also hit that wall a lot faster and you'll run the risk of causing a lot of injuries on your joints, mainly your you know, shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, you know, any misstep with that much weight on, especially when you're going uphill, a steep hill out here and rocks, then, uh, you will, um, you know, you take a misstep and you ankle, knee, hamstring, hip, you name it could even be your back. You could, uh, very quickly find yourself in an injury to where you're nursing that injury, or you're not even able to work out anymore when you take that much weight and throw it on. So it's really tough on your body to wear, wear that amount of weight and perform, you know, under that amount of load. Master guns back to the recon challenge. You took first right over one of our former guests on the podcast as well. 
as a uh, Hell Day instructor, Gunner Sergeant Ryan Burke. You got any advice? Got to rub it in a little bit, Ryan Burke. Got Do you have any advice on maybe next time how he can catch up to you, how he can be training in the offseason? Well, Gunnery Sergeant Burke is probably going to have to work on a little bit of, a, you know, physical conditioning. I think for the most part, he's pretty physically fit. Um, I keep telling him I'm on my downslide out of my peak. So, so somewhere in there, he's going to pass me. Um, he always, we always joke back and forth about that, but, uh, in all seriousness, uh, you know, I think, I think with, with, uh, Gunny Burke and his partner, I think a lot of it was probably mental. Um, I think my, my partner and I just kind of won the mental game over them. I mean, we did hold the lead over them from anywhere from a hundred to, you know, maybe 800 yards at the longest. I'm not really sure exactly how far we stayed ahead of them, but, um, they did pass us at one point and then we kind of overtook them because we did better than them at the, uh, Kazvac station. So we ran the Kazvac lane and were able to get in and out quicker and get our nine lines sent faster than they were. Um, and a lot of that was just by, you know, we kind of knew exactly what to expect from doing the CASVAC the previous year. So we knew how to carry the dummy and how to make efficiencies with, without using the stretcher and only using the stretcher in different parts. So we were able to kind of get out of there quicker and then continue to put time on them, which once you put time and you put distance in between somebody, it's really, really hard for them to make that distance up. And it's equally as hard for them once they do make that distance to try and put distance on you after that, especially when you start talking about, you know, most of the opportunities that they had to catch us after that were plus 20 miles into the course. So uh, it made things extremely difficult on them and their partner, which is why I refer to the, you know, the mental game of uh, they got to work that block and, and figure out where they can find those, those, uh, you know, accuracies earlier in the course so they can stay closer or gain that lead quicker. And Master Guns, we've been talking about the recon challenge and, and how it honors those fallen recon Marines. Can you tell our listeners out there, being the man yourself, what is a recon Marine? So a recon Marine is someone who is tasked with, with gaining information requirements for a commander in order for him to, uh, you know, gain situational awareness before he commits forces to the ground. So in essence, it's, you know, an individual who acts as the eyes and ears of a higher level commander and performs tasks and missions in order to support that higher level unit so that they don't commit forces to a, a dead objective or they don't commit forces to a necessarily uh, uh, dry hole or something like that. And Master Guns, what are the, the typical skills that a recon Marine brings to the battlefield? Within reconnaissance, I mean, we have a myriad of skills, um, amphibious insert, uh, amphibious reconnaissance, ground reconnaissance and surveillance, special insertion extraction. So we can insert via you know, combatant diving methods. We can also conduct shallow water searches on scuba. Um, we have the ability to infiltrate the battlefield with parachuting multiple different types, whether it's low-level static line, halo, or hey-ho methods. And we have the ability to conduct battle space shaping operations, which will alleviate certain things for a larger unit, such as an infantry battalion. So a small team can go in and can conduct, 
you know, battle space shaping operations, which involve attack or a sniper and some sort of precision fire mechanism to shape the battlefield in order to produce effects so that it alleviates pressure or larger unit can either flow through or move to a different objective and perform whatever their assigned mission is. Understood, Mass Guns. Well, well said. And, and at what point would a recon unit get deployed in the battle space? Like, what would be the set of circumstances that would need to happen for a, a recon team to get called on a mission? So typically what you'll have is there'll be some sort of trigger. Um, the commander will realize that he has an information requirement that is essential to him committing troops to the battlefield. Most commanders, before they commit a large group of troops to the battlefield, they're going to want to have somebody on deck first, and they're going to want to have somebody out there looking ahead and doing that advanced scouting or that advanced force for whoever that uh, larger unit is. Um, in some instances, that commander, you know, when we talk about a raid scenario where they're going to send an entire company or infantry unit in to conduct a raid event, they're going to put reconnaissance in ahead of that in order to scout that objective and ensure that they have the most up-to-date information so that that reconnaissance team report directly to that company commander as well as the higher level commander and give them the most accurate picture of what is happening on the ground so that they don't send somebody in and strike an objective that may not need anything hit on it. Or maybe if certain triggers are pulled, they can send that unit in earlier because certain things are met and they want to put forces in there earlier in order to have kinetic effects on the enemy or whatnot. So those are kind of some of the triggers and some of the ways reconnaissance will be used in order to support that higher headquarters. It, Master Guns, in order to secure a recon contract or in order to secure a, a SEAL contract, a pararescue contract, any of these elite contracts throughout the four branches of DOD, the the student, the candidate has to pass a physical fitness test, a specialized physical fitness test, whether it be the PFT, PST, or, or the PASS, now the IFT. Why do recon Marines need to be a cut above when it comes to their physical fitness level? So in order to be a recon Marine, you are going to, you, number one, you're going to have to carry a lot of weight. You're going to have to carry a lot of equipment. And you're going to have to move through the water. You're going to have to move over land with all of that equipment and weight. You're going to have to do so with, you know, very little equipment, mainly your own two feet, a set of fins and a wetsuit, or maybe a few other devices. Uh, you're going to utilize a rucksack. You're going to utilize a few other pieces of equipment, but for the most part, you're going to utilize your body to carry that in, carry all that equipment in. And you're going to use, utilize your body to carry all that equipment out. So it's very imperative to have peak physical conditioning um, a lot higher than you would to, you know, just say pass a physical fitness test in the Marine Corps. You're going to need to be in the upper echelon of the physical fitness test. Uh, along with that, you're going to have to be able to swim long distances. You're going to have to be able to be comfortable in the water at night um, with your head going under the water. Some of the missions we do are, you know, amphibious reconnaissance in nature, and we'll conduct, you know, beach surveys and confirmatory beach reports where that recon marine is going to be out there in the surf and sand going down, checking the bottom composition, checking different lanes for landing craft. And it's going to require you to put your head underwater at night and go feel the bottom 
And a lot of times in order to do some of that stuff, you got to have somebody who's very adept in the water and very confident and doesn't spook easy when it comes to, uh, you know, moving through this at night where once you, you know, you step into the water, you become part of the food chain as a human. Well said, Master Guns. And when it comes to to getting physically ready and, and prepping, you know, a lot of the guys that you may see are are these young Marines that are that are fresh from high school or, or from civilian life, or are these uh, Marines that have been in for a few years? What do you typically see when it comes to guys coming through your your program? So the preponderance of the personnel that come through our program are entry level. Marines who enlisted to be a reconnaissance per a reconnaissance Marine. They typically, you know, and what we'll typically experience is roughly about 70% of them won't make it. Um, a lot of the reasons why they don't make it is because they were either ill-informed or they didn't research what they were doing, or they show up and they're not physically fit and they don't gain enough physical fitness while they're here. They're either not willing or they just don't have the ability to gain the level of physical fitness that they need. Not necessarily on land because typically on land, everybody's fairly physically fit just due to the way the Marine Corps recruiting command screens with the initial strength test. They have to have a higher than normal initial strength score to uh, get a recon contract. Um, typically where we see the, the, uh, you know, subpar performances in the water. Um, there are some Marines that show up and they can't swim a lick. And they were like, one of their responses, and, and not a lot of times, but I would say a handful of times is, well, I didn't know I was going to have to swim. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, there's enough resources out there. There's enough documentation to where Absolutely. you can go, go to the BR, the basic reconnaissance course Instagram page, and you can just look at the swim the water and go, okay, that's what I'm going to be doing. Well, I probably better get to a swimming pool and make sure I can tread water, make sure I can hold my breath and swim underwater to a certain extent. But there are still people who show up on our doorstep and have never tried that until they get here. Yeah. And that's unbelievable. And that comes down to the research, right? I mean, if you really want to to accomplish something and you're really about the business and what it takes to get there, you got to do your research. Um, Master Guns, when it comes to a civilian off the streets, let's say that they're trying to secure a recon contract, and it may be a little bit of time before they end up at the prep course or they may they end up at RTAP, and, and they want to make sure that before they enlist in the Marine Corps, they're, they're ready. They, they have a good chance of making it through the swim evolutions or being a solid swimmer in their class, being a solid runner, uh, being solid at the, the ruck march evolutions, the obstacle course. Off the top of your head, Master Guns, what would you like to see physical standards-wise for a guy before he goes into the Marine Corps that wants to go recon for, for running, swimming, push-ups, calisthenics, all, all of those types of things? Can you, can you give us an idea of where these guys should be off the top? So, Off the top of my head, running, you want to be about a 21-30 or less three-mile time. Um, Pull-ups, if you can do... 12 to 15 dead hang pull-ups, you're going to have no issues with this program. Um, push-ups max in two minutes. If you can do 50 push-ups in two minutes, once again, no issues with this program. And when you talk about the crunch, um, you want to be able to do a minimum of 75 Marine Corps crunches in two minutes. 
Um, if you can do those things, you'll have no issues with the land side of this program. When we talk about the aquatics, uh, I would say you want to be able to tread water for a solid 15 minutes. And that's treading water, utilizing, you know, your hands and your feet, um, maybe both at the same time for a few minutes, maybe doing five minutes with only your hands and then maybe doing a few minutes with just your feet. So you want to vary that technique, learn to tread water in different, in different ways. Uh, the other thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to be able to complete a 500 meter swim. Ultimate goal would be probably 15 minutes or less, but showing up on our doorstep, if you can be 20 minutes or less, and this is, you know, with a camouflage utility uniform wearing it, we realize not everybody has access to that. So if you can perform that task slick, we can get you there and get you over that as long as you can perform that entire distance in under 20 minutes and we can figure help you figure out the technique and get you to you know pass that 15 minute time standard that you have to pass in order to graduate RTAP. And quite quick question on that. As a guy, again, as it may be a civilian off the streets who has limited swimming experience, do they want to invest six, seven months or, or a year of their lives trying to be a really solid swimmer and getting the breaststroke and the side stroke down? Or do they just want to get kind of a, a baseline because they're going to get more when, when they get to your comp, uh, they get to, to your program out there at RTC and Camp Pendleton? I mean, where, where should they be and, and how much should they expect to get taught to them from the Marine Corps to set them up for success? So the best place, be would be to have a solid understanding of all the different swim strokes to include, you know, the breaststroke and side stroke being the two main strokes that they're going to utilize with us. Um, like I said, if, if they could get to where they can swim that 500 meters, that's the best case scenario. We realize not everybody has that availability. So, you know, if they could knock out at least, or at least be able to knock out like 200 to 300, um, that would be a good start point and then have a solid understanding of how to utilize those strokes. Uh, we realize not everybody is going to have someone able to teach them stroke technique. So, you know, utilize YouTube, swim, you know, swim in magazines, books, and figure out the stroke to the best of their ability. But we can refine that stroke when they get here. And of course, with more practice and distance, we're going to help refine that technique and we're going to help get them inside that box, which is our swim standards that we have here. Um, the other thing that I failed to mention earlier is also that underwater swim. So they are going to have to conduct that underwater swim for a distance of 25 meters under the water. Um, initially coming here, you know, like I said, if they could do 10 to 15 meters underwater, probably going to be sufficient enough when they get here we'll work on them for that the rest of that distance um the biggest big thing i've seen is some people show up and they've never put their face down in the water to swim as you know that can be a problem when we're talking you know breaststroke side stroke or even freestyle or just any type of water confidence um you got to be able to put the face in the water you got to be able to submerge you know get a little bit of water in your eyes nose ears from time to time and be able to deal with it um, some people have never done that. So the first time it happens when they're here, they get a little overwhelmed and, you know, it can be the best of them sometimes. And that's a deep pool that y'all have out there. It's 16 feet, right? And then you have the platforms that can give a little bit more shallow, but it's, it's 16 feet. And for our listeners out there, 
there's something that, that we call trainingisms in, in operations. And that's where you train for something that you're going to end up doing real world. But in that training environment, you're actually limited to what you can do. And an example of that would be training in a four foot pool or even a five or a six foot pool, especially if you're six foot four, like our guest today. So when it comes to training in a shallow pool, you're, you're never going to experience what it's like to have that depth below you and to, and to understand that if you don't tread water or if you don't propel yourself above the water, you're going to sink and you're going to lose your air source. And being able to bob and drown proof or, or dive down and deal with buoyancy and establish recovering equipment at a certain depth, it's very important. And, and for our listeners out there, you're really only going to get that in a pool that's nine plus feet, uh, much less 16 feet. So that's one thing that I love about your, your pool out there, Master Guns, is there's really no way to, to prepare for a 16-foot pool. You can't find those every day. No, no. It's actually 16 and a half feet. See, I'm sorry about that. I know that's probably irking you the whole time. 16 and a half feet. That extra foot count or that extra half foot counts too. It does. That extra half foot can make or break some people, especially when we're talking the bobs or bottom samples. Oh man, you guys put me in that pool too. Yeah, my I gotta I gotta run a business nowadays, right? In a in a podcast. I don't have time to throw camis on it and and be doing underwaters in these deep pools, but they put me in the pool, right? And they're like, okay, man, you know, you got your camis on. Um, you just can do a full length underwater. You're good to go. All right, come on off the wall, right? So so we're treading first. So no push off the wall, darn it. And you got to tread first, get your heart rate up a little bit. And then you got the camis on creating the extra drag. And then you swim on across to the other side. So you do that 25 meter underwater, but then you got to swim 16 and a half feet down. So you got an extra five, five and a half meters or so down, right? And then you got an extra five, five and a half up. So what ends up being a total of, of 35 or so yards of, of swimming. So it's, it's a great, pool, great evolution. Um, it's, it's challenging, it, very challenging. But what I did see out there is that the, the instructors at the prep course would work with the students. If they were coachable, they would make a lot of progress. What, what were your thoughts on that, Master Guns? Yeah, so we actually have a program called Marines Awaiting Reconnaissance Training. And when the, when the students are here, the Marines that you know, come to us early on, um, we have a March swim program um, and they actually take them to the pool and they work on those stroke techniques. They work on the physical conditioning and that aquatic competency. And we've made some great strides. We have a pretty good instructors who have a, a passion for swimming and have a passion for teaching. And we've made some pretty good strides. We've taken, you know, several, we have one of our instructors who, you know, when he showed up and went through the prep course, he didn't know how to swim. So he learned to swim in the RTC pool. Now he's made his way all the way through all the training. He's served in a fleet Marine force unit and conducted his entire first enlistment to include several deployments. And now he's came back and made it full circle. And he's an instructor instructing Marines who show up and may or may not know how to swim. So he can talk from experience and speak his own depth of knowledge in that, Hey, I learned to swim right there where you're at. And this is how I did it. And he gives that instruction to them. So very beneficial. Uh, we have several students that we see throughout the year, same, same scenario. They show up, they can't swim a lick. And with hard work, listen, you know, listening to the instructors and putting forth good effort, they become graduates and 0321s within the recon career field. Incredible, Master Guns. And it's a phenomenal program. 
that you've put together out there, the Marine Corps put together reconnaissance training company. And we've been talking about it most of the time throughout this podcast, but would you mind telling us what RTC is? So recon training company is a training company that falls underneath the advanced infantry training battalion here at SOI West. Uh, We specialize in conducting recon training assessment program, basic reconnaissance course. And those are the two main courses of instruction that we run. You go to the training assessment program first, and then that feeds into BRC. If you graduate BRC, then you are a bona fide 0321 reconnaissance Marine. From there, we also run a program that's called the 0326 continuum. Once you graduate basic reconnaissance course, you then go to follow-on schools of Marine Combatant Diver course, basic airborne course, and the multi-mission parachutist course. So we take every graduate of the reconnaissance course and we send them through this advanced training pipeline to bring them to be an 0326 which is a reconnaissance marine free fall and combatant diver qualified the reason for that is when they go to the fleet and they go to their fleet marine unit their recon battalion they have to have that 0326 mos in order to be considered 100 ready to deploy So we make that MOS up front and we give them that qualification before they leave, or at least attempt that qualification before they leave. Uh, There are some Marines who due to unfortunate circumstances, medical problems, or, you know, other admin issues from time to time who will fall out of certain courses. Uh, We'll typically try and give them another opportunity if time allows. If not, then we'll send them to their unit and their unit has to make that course up. But um, where that differs from I first came to recon is that when I first came to recon, you did a prep course of the unit, and then they sent you to BRC. A lot different back then because you did the prep course of the unit. You went to the unit first. Now, due to the entry-level population, we're getting everyone on the front side of their contract. We're putting them through the training as early, early on as we can, and therefore, we're gaining that contract utilization period on the back side of their contract where we have more opportunity to employ them in the Marine Corps, which is paying dividends for the battalions right now. And Master Guns, when it comes to RTC, when would a Marine end up showing up there? And at what point in their career do do they move to Camp Pendleton, move into those dorms, and start with Reconnaissance Training Company? So typically, when they get done with boot camp and they conduct their boot camp leave period, then they'll come to us. Um, They would usually go to about four weeks of infantry training. However, this year we're doing a pilot program, which is called the direct ship. And we are actually taking Marines fresh out of boot camp, fresh off of the boot camp leave period. And we're putting them in directly into MART and then tap and then into BRC. Uh, It's a new thing that we just started in April. Um, It's more just geared towards kind of shifting in the Marine Corps and some of the infantry training methodologies that they've been doing. We're testing it out to see how it works to see if there's benefit in it with that contract utilization on the backside. Cause what we were doing before is we were sending a lot of people through the infantry training and in the Marine Corps infantry training has grown exponentially longer. And due to that, we're actually going to decrease a little bit of that infantry training on the front side. And we're going to put them through our training in hopes that they make it through. And then we have more contract utilization on the backside. 
And the way we've done this is we've added, you know, a little bit more combat skills and shooting into our courses of instruction. So we account for all of that about our, our course of instruction, which is the basic reconnaissance course. In Master Guns, this new program, this just started last month, as in April? So the next ship started last month. We actually started the new program of instruction for BRC in 2020. So we've been running the new program of instruction with all the improved tactics and shooting stuff, as well as the TCCC and the other additions since 2020. And it's shown improved, you know, good results since then. So we've been seeing the graduation rate steadily increase and the program even throughout COVID was uh, fairly successful given some of the past years and some of the, you know, attrition problems that we did have. And what is the name of, of this experimental pilot program that allows the, it's the contract is a hotel Zulu. So it's an HZ contract. Got it. Um, that is a, that is a recon contract specific. Um, you can go to your recruiter and say, I want to do, you know, recon contract, hotel Zulu, and it's five year contract. So it's a minimum of five years. That's the only one stipulation. It's different from other contracts because there's, you know, more time on the back end to go through all the schooling. So we need more time dedicated to that contract. Um, with that contract, you'll typically, like you said earlier, you'll spend about your first after boot camp, you'll spend about another year between being at RTC and going through all those follow-on schools. It's roughly about a year, just over a year. Master Guns, if there's a guy who is maybe looking at a job in the Navy or, or maybe a, a special warfare program in the Air Force and, and they're really interested in uh, Marine reconnaissance as well, what would you tell them would be unique about being a reconnaissance Marine? And, and why would you tell them being a recon would be the best decision for them? All the jobs that you mentioned are, you know, very admirable jobs. They have their different aspects and they have their, their things that they cover down on. Um, with being a recon Marine, I would say the single largest benefit over some of those other jobs is the fact that you're going to have a myriad of tasks and you're going to have a, a large variation of what you're going to be assigned to do. Um, there's a lot of specialties that you can get into with reconnaissance. So going back to the recon training company, um, we're also responsible for housing our recon leaders course, as well as our scout sniper course and our recon sniper course, um, recon sniper being specific to the reconnaissance field, scout sniper being specific to the infantry. Um, we have those advanced follow-on schools. We also have other follow-on schools such as JTAC. Um, jump master and free fall jump master that Marines can go to. Um, we house a lot of those schools underneath recon training company in our advanced training company, in our advanced training sections. But within recon, you're going to be able to conduct battlefield reconnaissance and do not conflict, but a uh, competition. You're going to be able to conduct your, your job. You're going to be able to conduct your assigned METs, your assigned mission essential tasks. And you're going to be able to do it across the entire myriad of, of what a recon marine is assigned to do while you're in your career. Um, some career fields get kind of pigeonholed to where they only do certain things and they only do certain tasks in recon. You know, we specialize in a, in a, a lot of tasks and the benefit of being in recon is you're supporting the entire Marine Corps. So we're the only reconnaissance asset for the entire Marine Corps. 
Um, there are some other units out there that conduct reconnaissance, but most of them, or all of them, in fact, do not sub- serve the Marine Corps. We've worked directly for the MAGTAF and the Marine Corps, the divisions and the MEFs within the Marine Corps. So all the higher, higher headquarters that conduct maneuver and things on the battlefield. Master Guns, I know that uh, all of my Marine buddies complain about uh, you know, lack of funding in the Marine Corps and whatnot versus the Air Force, and I, I get it, 100%, I understand. But I got to tell you that being at RTC, the facilities there are, are state-of-the-art, in my opinion, being somebody who has been to other facilities across the branches. And the Air Force Special Warfare Program, our, our facility, they're very old. A lot of them are, are 50, 60 years old. We're talking the same schoolhouse that my dad went through back in the, the early 80s, and, and it was old then, okay? Um, they're doing some improvements and whatnot. But one of the things, we'd wake up in the dorms for, for 4.30 a.m. show, and then we'd have to jog over to the chow hall. You know, it's a quarter mile away. And then the schoolhouse is a quarter mile away. And then we'd have to get bussed over to a different part of base to utilize the pool, Skylark pool. And then from Skylark, we'd have to jog over to this other chow hall and, and then go back over to Skylark and get, get bussed back over to the Medina Annex where the main schoolhouse was. And so you kind of used up a lot of time throughout the day doing transit and, and logistics and, and all of that, moving from one place to the other. One thing I'm, I'm very impressed about with RTC is that y'all have everything there in that compound. Uh, would you mind telling our listeners out there what all is, is physically there at RTC? Yeah, no problem. So unfortunately, or well, fortunately for me, I fell in on everything that's here. Um, this was designed long before I got here by several other bright minds who served in my job and served in our, uh, our program office up at plans, policies, and uh, operations in the Marine Corps. Um, all of this was planned a long time ago. Uh, we have our, our dorms or our barracks, as we call them. Um, adjacent to our dorms, we have our bone yard, which you've experienced as a little PT yard. We actually have a secondary PT yard that we just made. You'll see it when you come out here next time with uh, pull-up bars and uh, mats. It's uh, in between the dorms and barracks and the command building now. So it's literally 100 yards from the dorms and about 50 yards from the command building. So it's really nice, really nice area. Um, we have our main command building that houses several classrooms, several instructional facilities, an athletic trainer, a medical office, as well as all of our command offices and our instructor offices. Um, adjacent on the other side of that, as you know, we have our full Olympic-sized swimming pool that starts at four foot and moves down to a depth of 16 and a half foot in the deep end. Uh, it's a true eight-lane wide pool and is you know, flanked on the far end by uh, a large tower, which is a three meter, five meter, seven and a half meter and a 10 meter platform. Um, So we can conduct high tower entries from all, you know, all heights um, to just depending upon what type of train we're for, whether it's a water jump or helicast training or just basic confidence training, you know, involved with the swim qual. Um, Along with that adjacent or not adjacent, but to the rear of our compound, we have an entire training area called the alpha training areas, which have luxurious hill called old smoky and 
an alpha shelf, which has several different routes that go up to, you know, from ankle breaker to the trail ears to cardiac ridge. Um, there are several challenging hills and ruck routes that we can utilize back there that aren't all flat. And there's a lot of challenging terrain that we can utilize for reconnaissance patrolling, land navigation, um, any type of field skills you want to do. It's all encompassing right there in that one general area. And we're all within the span of, I would say, you know, you don't have to move further than a quarter mile um, go to any one of our facilities uh, adjacent to the pool on the outside. We also have the Marine Corps Obstacle Course that we utilize quite frequently, which is, you know, once again, about a hundred yards from, from the start points, about a hundred yards from the pool. So everything's all encompassed in that one small area. So we can conduct a lot of training in one area and not have to move very far in order to uh, get that training accomplished. The one thing we do have a disadvantage of is our child hole is about a mile away. So all of our students, and this is food for thought. If you're thinking of becoming a reconnaissance Marine, you know, you want to get three meals a day in the chow hall. You're going to have to run a mile two and a mile back for every meal. So you talk three meals a day, that's roughly two miles per meal. You're going to run an extra six miles per day. Keeping those Marines lean, huh? Master guns. Oh yeah. Working on that stride and working on that, uh, that distance and that speed. So Master Guns, when it comes to the reconnaissance training company, when it, when it comes to, to SARC personnel, so for our listeners out there, a lot of folks don't realize that the Navy sends their special amphibious reconnaissance corpsmen, who are also known as, in some circumstances, special operations independent duty corpsmen, they send those candidates through the basic reconnaissance course through RTAP. So, so they're spending time at reconnaissance training company in Camp Pendleton, California with all the Marines there. Okay. This is their selection course. Master Guns, would you mind explaining to us why that is and how exactly they go through this course? Yeah. So within reconnaissance, we don't have our own medical personnel. Our medical personnel are Navy. So we utilize the Navy corpsman the Navy Medical Corps, um, enlisted Navy corpsmen attend our course. They go through RTAP, they go through BRC. They move from there to either 18 Delta or Marine Combatant Diver course. It depends on their pipeline. Sometimes one comes before the other. It's kind of whichever one is available. Um, they gain their, you know, their entire pipeline, which is essentially dive school or Marine Combatant Diver course, basic airborne 18 Delta, which is an Army Special Forces Medic course, and they go through Dive Med Tech, which is, they call it, um, it's essentially Dive Med Tech course in Panama City. So all of our corpsmen are Dive Med Techs, qualified inside tenders on for recompression chamber operations. They're Special Forces Medics. And on top of that, their base level Navy enlisted code is a Navy Medic, so a Navy corpsman. Um, once they complete that entire pipeline, they then move to either a reconnaissance unit or a MARSOC unit, and they work in either a, re a recon or a raider battalion as a recon special operations independent duty corpsman. Um, so in every element that we have, we have one special operations independent duty corpsman that moves with that element and performs all things medical. 
Um, first of which he's expected to be a shooter and a recon Marine, just like everyone in his team. But when things go awry, he's the advanced trauma life support guy who can stabilize whatever casualty or victim they run across or have and can, you know, further add that higher echelon of care and that prolonged field care for that individual in order to, you know, wait for medevac personnel or some type of CASVAC situation, depending on how they're being supported. You know, he's an advanced trauma care provider that can do that and prolong that individual depending on, you know, what his injuries are. So that's who we're supported by and why they're here. Master Guns, any advice to a Navy guy who is going to be going through RTAP and BRC, being a Navy guy surrounded by Marines, how do you kind of carry yourself? I mean, as far as, uh, you know, being a Navy guy around the, around the Marines, most of the Navy guys we get are a lot more mature because they've been through core school and field med school. So along with their boot camp and everything they do on the Navy side, which takes a little bit longer than the Marines, um, to second that, a lot of the Navy personnel that we get, um, a lot of them actually have several life experiences in which, um, you know, for instance, a lot of the guys are like former EMTs or they've worked in medicine outside of the military and that's why they came in the military and that's why they went that recon IDC route because they want to get involved in that advanced trauma care. They want to get involved in the, you know, the real nitty gritty, heavy combat trauma type stuff. Um, not all, but some, most, most show up with a, uh, a high level of maturity already and that, and then the want to help people and to help the Marines. So typically have very good teamwork from them. And we typically see, you know, I will just say this, they tend to be more successful when they come through the Navy pipeline for some reason. Um, we see a lot higher success rate with the Navy, the Navy candidates than we do with the Marines. Um, there's still a lot of, uh, ideas as to why that is, but my, my idea, and I think my opinion is kind of backed up from what I've seen here in about the last three years is they typically come with a lot more maturity and they have that want and that drive to move in that direction. And their pipeline is longer than the Marines pipeline. So their pipeline in totality takes about two and a half years to complete. Master Guns, one of the one of the things that have uh, kept us together and, and working together over the years has been conducting these hell dates together. Um, and in addition to, to doing the hell dates together and instructing and bringing these candidates up, uh, the future operators of America, um, you've been able to raise awareness on what recon is and talk about the recon community to the students that attend these events. And there's always two, three, however many students that really want to know more and are really impacted by your speech. Uh, we got three of those guys at BRC right now. Shout out to Tony, Garrett, and Thomas. Um, Master Guns, any advice when it comes to these guys that um, are looking to prepare before going into BRC, they're maybe going to be showing up to one of these hell day courses. Um, any advice on, on what you would like to see from them coming up this weekend at the course or, or any of these other courses as a civilian coming in? I mean, the, the biggest, the biggest uh, piece of advice I would give is don't quit. Um, continue to drive on and continue to see everything through. 
um, realize that, you know, your skills at the, at the current moment might not be where you want them to, but that's what these hell days are for is to raise that awareness and give you an idea of what's in store for the future. Um, I always encourage those individuals when they come to those events to ask questions, um, ask as many questions as they can to seek as much knowledge and to understand their particular community or even just general, general fitness tips and things they can do if they see themselves falling short in certain areas. Um, but the biggest thing is, you know, don't quit and just continue driving and continue striving to learn and to gain that physical, that physical ability. And then every time you work on physical ability, you're still, you're working on that mental ability as well, but work on that mental aspect and work on that mental resiliency in order to prep you for whatever program you're getting ready to go into. Um, all the programs out there, whether it's, you know, AFSOC, you know, 18 X-ray, Marine Recon, NSW, there's a huge amount of mental resiliency that goes into all those programs. And the more you have going into it and the more idea of knowing what is in store, or at least some of the exercises and some of the things you're going to do that are you're going to be faced with. I think the more, the, the more success and the better probability you'll have to get through that program and be able to, you know, gut it out and utilize that intestinal fortitude and gain that grit that you need to uh, push through it and make it. Well said, Master Guns. And a lot of times it comes down to that warrior mindset and understanding the culture of being in these types of pipelines, whether it be a sense of urgency or understanding how to communicate with others or understanding how to manage your gear so that it's always ready to go and the things that you need are accessible or whether it be understanding how to proactively stretch out before you start a new evolution or, or to snack, hydrate without being told to do so, so that you don't end up cramping up. All of these things are, are, are things that you could potentially learn from, from this event. And, and a lot of them, they don't have to do with anything physical. They have to do with, with thinking. And the, yep. more physical challenge, the more physically challenging an evolution can be, the more it starts to cut into our ability to think. And so having the level of physical fitness that, that you do, it's almost like a layer of armor when you really think about it, because the more you get broken down, the, you still have the ability to think under pressure and make decisions that allow you to complete the mission. And Master Guns, if, if, thank you. They, and Master Guns, if there's anything that, that I've noticed about you, it's that not only is recon your job, it's your lifestyle. It's a family to you. It's a brotherhood. It's something far beyond just a, a professional career. You're involved in, in a number of different organizations that give back to the recon community, one of those being the Marine Recon Foundation. Would you mind discussing a little bit more of, of your involvement with these foundations and, and what uh, they are? Yeah, the Marine Recon Foundation and the Force Recon Association are two foundations that um, they support the they support the community overall, and they um, pretty much just support all active duty forces. They're nonprofit company or nonprofit uh, foundations that support the active and the reserve components, whether it's personnel in need or just general support to the recon challenge or to units that are having you know things go on with their you know unit functions. Um, they're very good organizations that, um, like I said, whether it's supporting Gold Star families or personnel at the units that are having issues or 
a myriad of things um, or just a normal like mess night or barracks beautification project. Um, they support all kinds of things to include, you know, college scholarships and, you know, other aspects of, you know, personnel who are affiliated with, you know, people from the reconnaissance community, mainly, you know, kids and spouses and things like that. Um, they're just very good organizations that they do a lot for the community and their organizations are also ran by reconnaissance Marines. So they have a very good understanding and a very, very good knowledge or depth of knowledge that they know where you're coming from and they know where the personnel in the community, whether you're actively serving or you've been out for a while, they know how to communicate to those people and they know how to bring them back into the fold and give them the support they need in order to, you know, maybe get them back on their feet or provide them some assistance if that's what they need. Um, just very good organizations that do a lot for the community still and can't speak enough for the things that they do. Master Gunnery Sergeant Corey Paxvan, a true, humble, quiet professional, a true warrior. Just want to thank you again for your time coming on the Send Me podcast tonight, brother. Oh, no problem. I appreciate the offer. And uh, like I said, this is uh, anytime we can uh, help out the next generation and enlighten them on the future is, uh, you know, my pleasure. Well, it sure is an honor teaming up with you to do that. And I'm pumped to get on out there to San Clemente. I fly out there on Wednesday and I'll see you this weekend for another great Hell Day event, Master Guns. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it. If you're still listening to this episode, don't turn down your volume. Keep listening. We're asking for your support. If you have an iPhone, please consider giving us a simple five-star review or a written review. These help tremendously in the Apple algorithm of giving our podcast increased visibility and getting our message out to a larger audience. Thank you again for listening to the SOCOM Athlete Podcast. Send me. This is your host, Jason. We are out. Thank you. Up. Up. Down.